What are you talking about? Hell no. Uh-uh. That ain't gonna fly. Facts, homie. Straight facts. I just want to keep it real. It's all I know. Fake news? Uh-uh. Why would you do that? Exactly where did you get that from? Nah, can't believe it. Man, you gotta come with some papers. You gots to show papers on that. This is it, man. This is the start. This is the start. Yeah, man, this is how it's gonna start. It, yes, man, real spiel. This is how it's gonna start. The show starts. Huh? Yes, man, the intro. Real spiel. Real spiel. Yes, real. Yes, yes, real indeed. Thanks for tuning in to Real Spiel. At whatever point in the day you're listening to this podcast, morning, afternoon, evening, or night, doesn't matter. It's being recorded Wednesday, June 26th at 6.30 p.m. We appreciate you for listening, and we would appreciate you more if you'd leave a five-star review. Yes, five stars on whatever lovely platform it is you're tuning into the podcast. Apple, Spotify, or the always lovely Anchor, as you heard in advertisement pre-recording. Yes, five-star reviews do a lot towards bolstering our confidence in providing the most original and informative content out there on the interwebs. If you don't leave a five-star review, as my cousin Bomani Jones says on ESPN Radio, The Right Time with Bomani Jones, I would presume to believe you might be hating on us, and that's not a good thing. Why you want to hate? Get to your bloodstream and create sepsis. You can Google it. Definitely create sepsis. The focus of today's podcast is going to bounce around a little bit. Uh, but it's going to start with some crazy news stories that I read this morning, gave me a few laughs and hopefully they do the same for you. Or maybe they already did because I posted them on real spiel pods, Instagram. Everybody should follow real spiel pod again at real spiel pod. It's product placement. IG people are taking pics at Chernobyl or Chernball as, uh, one of my cousins, lady friends, so delicately put it the other night. Scams from nuns, Sister Mary Margaret and Lana Chung landed them in the clink after they stole 500000 to gamble with from Catholic schools. Um, this is very interesting to me. I'm not going to presume the ethnicity of Miss Lana Chung, but I'm going to say she was the brains of the operation. 50 ice cream trucks in New York City were seized for ticket dodging up to $4.5 million. Now, I think they got off light. I'm talking about the city, not the ice cream trucks, because ice cream trucks are providing a public service. It's like radio. You know, you think about corporate taxes for companies like Amazon. They don't pay as much as the regular citizens you and I do, at least not on a percentage basis, because they're providing a service. Or at least that's the way the government states it. I think they're just bending us over the table. But in any case, ice cream trucks are providing a similar service. The least you can do is give them free parking. They shouldn't have to worry about New York City regulations around vendor fees and vendor licenses and vendor parking and all that. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, just let the kids get ice cream. Imagine getting ice cream from your local dun da da dun da man and you pull up, pay for your bomb pop, and then the feds are down, bearing on you. Get, get down on the ground. Give me your fucking ice cream. You got your pet dog there and they shoot the dog because they deem it a threat. I mean, it's happened before. It's usually over drugs, but ice cream is a drug to some people. Has sugar. Sugar is more dangerous than cocaine. I read a mice study once. But other than that, there was this story about some students uh, called cheating. And it isn't that big of a headline to me because kids get caught cheating all the time. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. It's just part of the game. Old people shouldn't have phones. Okay. If you have a grandparent out there and they have access to a cell phone, take it from them immediately. All right. Even a landline. Cut that shit. All right. I mean, I, I know that 
a lot of old people have been sucked into these QVC channels and infomercials. And even I talked about it on the last podcast or the podcast before that with um, televangelists out here sucking them down for all their Social Security dollars and our taxpayer dollars, ultimately. But now the new scam is calling old people and claiming that they've already been scammed for something that they purchase, whether it's insurance or property or something else. I mean, basically these people have access to some low level credit card information that you have. And maybe they know a few of your most recent purchases so they can claim to be the bank that you work with. And, you know, they'll ask for information that they should already have access to, but old people are senile and gullible. They'll give them access to it. And it's really, really easy, simple scam. I might've just given some people the keys to the code to, Scam a few old folks out there, even their own grandparents, because people have no hearts. If you have a grandparent out there, just be wary, protect them, look out for them. I call my grandmother as regularly as I can. Yeah, I make sure that she's not getting sucked in anything like that. But as far as I can tell, she doesn't have access to any real funds that people can steal. At least I hope not. Streaming problems for all my fellow cord cutters out there. We are in trouble um, as we have tried. And I think I know I've done a good job avoiding these monstrous cable bills the last few years um you know in exorbitant amounts like comcast or xfinity as they're now called frontier with verizon even though that's fios supposed to be better anyway they're charging you 120 bucks a month for three channels that you actually watch and now the apps are going to be doing the same thing i have been on this reddit kick the last year and a half just streaming any type of live event i want whether it's basketball football fighting whatever the case is and it's just as good as any app i use if not better because a lot of times the apps crash and now because of all the apps consolidating and working with one another you're gonna have to purchase at least two to three to four different apps along with your internet service provider which is you know anywhere between 50 to 100 dollars, depending where you live and the service or quality might be you know anywhere from minimal to great luckily i'm in an area where we can give verizon fios and it's decent but i'm paying 67 bucks for fios and on top of that coming up in 2020 warner media is going to have an app for 17 bucks a month where they got all their warner brothers classics all the turner movie classics tnt tbs cnn hbo and cinemax all under the same umbrella and then disney plus is going to be coming out with their seven dollar per month app it's going to have hulu espn plus all the pixar movies marvel star wars and fox all under the same umbrella i mean pick your poison there but if you want to have both you're going to be paying 24 bucks a month on top of the 67 you're already stomaching out so for me it's looking like i'm paying the same thing i was paying before with cable and it's ridiculous because if you got netflix and you know amazon or apple tv or anything else you're paying over a hundred dollars and i don't know i mean this is going right back to the old school the cable companies have found a way to fuck us just like they always do and the real problem with that, though, is that the content is going to be really diluted because now it's all about just engagement from fans. Right. The CEOs want hours and hours of engagement so that they can then sell you ads. You know, they can then sell you on or sell advertising on the fact that we have this many hours of engagement from these demographics. Give us money, you know, and the CEO of Warner Media, specifically John Stanky, came in and basically said look we need more shit pumped out it's part of the reason they wanted game of thrones to go on for 17 seasons and the writer said uh nah bro um hbo ceo actually stepped down after warner media announced the merge or you know the buyout whatever happened and yeah i just think content is going to be watered down at this point where hbo was known for producing some of the best shit out there and now i see the 
remnants of the new regime coming in because they got shows like Euphoria, which whatever. I don't know. Check it out. Might be your taste, but it definitely ain't my speed. I want the classics back, you know, so I hope that they don't you know, just start throwing shit on the wall to see what'll stick. But time will tell. Uh, Bare Knuckle FC. Talk about a train crash, boy. Pauly Malignaggi versus Artem Lobov. That was hilarious. Um, I felt sorry for Pauly because he pretty much got, you know, embarrassed in a sport that he should be able to dominate in. But brittle hands, lack of athletic ability, really, and just a shitty strategy going into it. I mean, he tried to stick and move like it was an actual boxing match. He had 12 rounds to fight in. I mean, bro, you got two minutes in. I think it's a three round fight or maybe four rounds. I don't know. I forget. But I mean, it's different styles. Artem was trying to come at him the whole time. This, the way he does Russian hammer style. I think he landed a couple shots, opened up the cuts on Paulie's face. So at the end of the day, both of them were cut up a little bit. And if I was judging the fight, I wouldn't have known who to pick. Paulie was running and Artem didn't land shit. One of them looked like a boxer and one of them looked like a brawler, but I don't know. I'm glad both of them got paid and they squashed whatever beef existed. Really, it was beef between Connor and Paulie, but I'm glad we didn't. It didn't come to a boxing match between those two because that would have been a real shit show and people would have paid to see it. I might have been one of them if I couldn't stream it illegally, of course. I think the thing about boxing, though, is we underestimate Floyd's greatness now because Floyd Mayweather is a dude who say what you want about him. He did a lot for the sport and he did a lot to entertain us while we were watching the fight specifically with Pacquiao. We can say, yeah, it was an underwhelming fight. His performance was basically just to shield and not really put too much offense forth. But that was his style. That's what he did towards the latter part of his career. But if you look at him, Canelo and everything before that, even when he fought Maidana two times after Canelo, beautiful fights, wonderful fights. Maidana actually landed a shot on him that left him a little wobbled. So we forget how exciting some of Floyd's fights were that led to those huge purses that got to the point where he was boring. You know, once he started making all the money and realized, OK, I got the fans interest. I don't need to take as many risks in the ring as he did with De La Hoya and like he did with Cotto and, you know, all the other dudes he fought. I mean, Canelo, he took some risks. It was a risk even fighting a young Canelo, even though he schooled him that whole fight. We know that Canelo was, you know, a danger to him in terms of size, even though he made him cut weight down to one. Should I forget? Did he make him cut to 147 or one? I think he made him cut to 147, which is ridiculous. The fact that Canelo could make that at the time because now he's fighting at 160. So say what you want about Floyd. He showed us that small fighters can be exciting. Most people already knew that because if you know anything about fighting, the welterweight division has always been the most exciting, but or one of the most exciting in boxing. It's neither here nor there. I'm saying right now we have a depth of small dudes that are as exciting or at least, you know, to the layman fan, because I love Vasil Lomachenko. I love Terrence Crawford. I love Keith Thurman. I love Earl Spence. I mean, you name them. Any of the dudes that are fighting at smaller weights now, Mikey Garcia. I mean, I can go down the list. Guillermo Rigondeaux, even though he no mossed it, you know, he just had a knockout this past weekend. I mean, there's plenty of dudes that are worth watching that will be considered small in stature. And we don't watch them. People didn't even know Jamal Charlo fought this past weekend. Me, myself, I kind of got lost in the shuffle watching Bare Knuckle FC. Had to catch up on his knockout because they're being aired on uh, PBC now, Premier Boxing Championship, which is Fox 
a Fox property. So he's not on Showtime anymore. So it's hard to keep up with all the different apps and all the different promotions. But at the end of the day, if you're a fan of boxing and you like the sweet science, you should want to see the smaller dudes and you should pay to see the smaller dudes. But that's not what happens. That's why people need to respect Floyd for the fact that he was able to bring in the layman fan. He was able to bring in your mom, your grandma. He was able to get conversations started at the barbershop because it was so controversial the way he was winning and the way that he was promoting fights. Just a little Floyd appreciation there and a little boxing talk. Good fights coming up this weekend in MMA and boxing. Uh, Amanda Nunes fighting Holly Holm. John Jones fighting Tiago Santos on that same card. Uh, this weekend, though, we got Francis Ngannou up against Junior Dos Santos. Great combat sports all around. I'm not sure about what's going on in one championship or glory kickboxing or Bellator, but I'm sure those also have great events happening. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about reparations, though, because there's been a lot of talk about reparations in the news these past couple weeks. And I know how I feel about it. I mean, shit, I'll take my 40 acres and a mule ASAP. ASAP Rocky, please. I don't know any of my family members that actually got it. Um, but as far as uh, an actual check just being doled out to you know, a bunch of people with African blood in them. I don't know if that's going to solve any of the deep seated issues that systematic racism and systemic prejudice have created, whether it's gerrymandering, whether it's redlining for housing, whether it's just the built in stigma that has been created around black people being lazy and ignorant and all the stupid shit that white people and other cultures have thought throughout the annals of time, specifically in America. A check isn't going to fix that. We need to set up a system where if you do have African ancestry of any level, just like the one drop rule back in the day made you a slave. The one drop rule now should grant you some level of government assistance if you fall into this reparations program. And the program I'm proposing is everyone with that level of dissension should get zero interest business loans, zero interest home loans, access to zero interest student loans when they do apply for uh, school if they need you know that level of assistance beyond a Pell Grant they should get more in Pell Grant funding there are already programs and resources in place to help people get ahead from minority communities we just need to make sure that the people who need them most are receiving them and that they're being dialed in to the communities where this shit has been done the worst I mean if you go to certain uh, inner cities they're still working with books that have been handed down, handed down, handed down from years. You know, I remember going to school in New York and having old ass textbooks, you know, when I was in middle school and them being focused on us taking six or seven state assessment tests every year because that's how the school got funding. And we weren't in a terrible neighborhood by any means, but a lot of kids, you know, there had lower reading levels than they should. So, you know, they were really, really trying to get us to do that because if they didn't, then they wouldn't have money to spend on new books. So we had Spanish books from fucking 1992 and it was, you know, 2002 when I was there. So, I mean, maybe 10 years isn't that long to be working in the textbook, but maybe it is. I don't know. I'm not a school administrator. Ultimately, all this shit, though, comes from the idea that there's a profit motive tied to children trying to gain access to education which has always been the gateway to success in america whether or not people want to say it's school education or formal education in a college classroom because it's all liberal these days some form of education tech based votech whatever you need to go get some skills and you need money to do that and unfortunately banks have been associated with getting a profit from kids just trying to get ahead 
And it's the one thing you can't default on if you go bankrupt. It's crazy. Just remove some of the barriers that are keeping people from getting to the same levels that, you know, a lot of people have been able to reach because of their ancestors. Whether or not you want to say, well, you know, my people came over from England and my people came over from Ireland. Yeah, they might have got looked at as a dirtier or lesser white person in New York City. But when they moved to middle America, they were white. (laughs) They got the same access to land and the same freedom and the same ability to move around and maneuver society that protected them in a way that black people weren't protected because of their skin color. So that's led to a lot of things being kept from us, you know, in terms of education, in terms of housing loans, in terms of access to equal housing, in terms of access to equal rights, just everything, man. You know, I I don't need to give you a history lesson on this podcast. You can open a book yourself, but anyone who talks about reparations and such a dismissive tone that, well, you know, the money isn't going to fix it. I get that, but be creative here. You're smarter than that. I know money isn't going to fix everything. I'm not asking for a handout from anyone. I'm asking that you recognize the economy was propped up by slavery. All right. And you can say that about every economy across the globe, but I'm not talking about other economies. I'm talking about ostensibly the strongest economy in the world. You know, even though we're you know, helped out by China and we're helped out by, you know, the Middle East for oil money and all that. At the end of the day, America is viewed as the bastion of dreams and the bastion of hope if you want to get ahead. And, you know, you should be able to get a zero interest loan if you're a 17 year old kid from a disenfranchised community. And the only reason the community is disenfranchised because the government that is now holding you back from getting that zero interest loan or is directly profiting off of you going to college, fucked up your entire neighborhood and fucked up all your family history to the point that you don't even know where you're from now. You don't even know what country your people are from without a 23andMe that only has like shit, fucking five or six different countries on it from Africa. So I find it hard to believe that everyone who does 23andMe got Southern Bantu peoples in them and, you know, the Ivory Coast, like all of them have the exact same five different regions in Africa. So that's, you know, that might be the case because I know they say that the slaves in uh, America were brought from one part of Africa and then the slaves in South America were brought from another part. So, you know, we all brothers and sisters across the African diaspora. It's just interesting that whenever you do that 23 and me, at least a handful of friends I know that have done it is about five or six different regions that'll show up. Just interesting. Just my two cents on it. Another thing about that reparations uh, topic is I was talking to Jake earlier. And one thing that's really funny about white people is white people get angrier about being called racist than actual racist shit that occurs in society. And I'm not speaking specifically about Jake because, you know, he's really cool white dude. You know, I classify him as an ally if I use that term on a regular basis, which I do not. But a lot of white people and South Park illustrated this in a hilarious episode, as they always do get mad when you call them racist, which, you know, I'd get mad if you call me racist too, because I'm not racist, but I don't react in that way. I don't show my anger because really I'm not angry because I know I'm not racist. So if you know you're not racist and you don't hold those views and values, why would it offend you to the point that you're irked by it the next day or the next week? I think it's because you have a sensitivity to the fact that this country is 
overtly racist. <laughs> and you know that some soils need to be reaped. You know, some some real reparations need to be received by the folks who were on the receiving end of all that torment. Right. And all that tumult. That's why you get so offended and so ooh, so creeped out when you hear any conversation around race or heaven forbid, get called a racist, especially politicians who are in charge of implementing racist policies, regulations, laws, legislations on the books. These dudes get the most offended when you call them racist. And that's what was so funny about the South Park episode. Um, this is the one where uh, Randy said nigger on uh, Wheel of Fortune. And he was getting called the nigger guy. It was the Kramer episode. And then all the dudes who had said nigger who were famous went to Congress and got the term nigger guy outlawed from the English lexicon. But nigger is obviously fine on its own. But if you combine the two, it's a problem. <laughs> Only white people, man. Only white people. But that's a great analysis of their reaction when they're called out on racist tendencies and again it's not specific to any one white person i'm just talking about general traits that are general you know just behavior i've witnessed in my uh, uh encounterings with white folks and you know you could choose to agree or disagree but if you're white and you've been called racist you know how you feel when you get called that word if we really want to understand the remnants or the ramifications of racism in America, I point you nowhere other than the classic movie Friday. Now, if you haven't seen Friday, Friday is about a day in the life of any typical black man in the hood. And that's any hood. But this hood is specifically out in uh, Southern California. Watts specifically, I believe, South Central. Ice Cube is the protagonist in this film and his friend Smokey is in deep shit because Smokey is in debt and hood debt is $200. Mind you, it's 1994. So with inflation, that might be about, let's say $400 now since statistics say one in four Americans couldn't survive a $400 emergency were it to happen to him. In Smokey's case, he was fronted, you know, an ounce of weed for about $200 and he was about to get shot. Smokey was going to die over $200 in, in the hood that day. So if you don't think that racism, if you don't think that prejudice, if you don't think Jim Crow and civil rights, I'm not talking about slavery. I'm talking about Jim Crow. If you don't think that had an impact on Americans in 2019, just watch the movie Friday. All right. Niggas is dying over $200 out here. It's hard. Also on racism this week. My homegirl Hillary was uh, confronted in a dreadlock group on Facebook. <laughs> a group of white girls were saying no more use of the N-word nor the R-word. And Hillary presumed the R-word was racist. I had to inform her that no, 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 no. The R-word they're referring to is retarded. Okay. And if you're the type of person that doesn't use the term retarded, I applaud you. Because it can be a nasty word when used in the wrong context. But I don't like to temper my language to the point that I'm catering to people with that level of sensitivity because retarded just means to slow growth. Now, if you're talking about a person, specifically a person with a mental handicap, that is very rude and it's insensitive. I think it's insensitive to use the term flippantly around anyone who you're not 100 percent sure is cool with that. You know, I don't want to be using words even, you know, swear words around people who, you know, might be too religious or just people who, you know, just have a different upbringing than I do. I don't know what people's different, 
you know, understandings around words are and stuff. You know, some people get more sensitive than I do. You know, sticks and stones may break the bones, but words will never hurt me. That's what I was taught. And that's the way I choose to live my life. However, in this group, they didn't want to read the word retard, or at least that's what I think they're talking about. Could have been racist, but (laughs) if they white and they're saying you can't use the word racist, you know, I just want to call up all their moms and stepdads and tell them to slap them across the face. Now, in this group, they have the same thinking pattern as a lot of progressive folks that if you are using the word retarded in any context, it's the wrong thing to do. But there are certain rules, laws and things that are said that are just retarded. They just slow things down. They just make things less efficient. And when we're talking about marijuana laws in this country, they're definitely retarded. Okay, and we can focus on a few states and I'm going to look at the gray market specifically because D.C. and Vermont just really, really irk me. If you think about D.C., because the city or state or whatever you want to call it, because it's neither can't control its own budget. Congress has been able to block the district from taxing and regulating the sale of weed, marijuana. The lack of that law makes it easier for a gray market to exist. Now, what is a gray market? Gray market is where people can have a significant increase on profits because what are they doing? They're selling to you direct through gifts, donations, right? What also increases arrest because the marijuana that's being distributed, while it might be Prop 71 or Initiative 71 legal, there's still no apparatus for the sale and distribution of weed allowed in the city. So if you're caught with that weed, depending on the cop's point of view that day, you might just lock your ass up. Now, this hasn't happened to me. You know, I'm medically legal. I get my weed in Maryland. But when I am in D.C., I see people smoking out on the street and I see people going to these pop up shops. And I just say, man, you're taking a risk because at the end of the day, stats say you're 10 times more likely as a person who looks like me with brown skin to be arrested for the same thing that them white boys who are lawyers and you know, administrators or, you know, assistants on Capitol Hill, whatever it is they do, those boys are not going to get locked up for the same thing you're going to get locked up for, my friend. So you need to have your papers in order, have your papers straight, get your license and make sure you're credentialed so that if you are going to be out here getting high. You can at least do it and get by the feds. Vermont, another area with the gray market. I've never been to Vermont, but a lot of potheads there. And I know they were the first state to pass Uh, a weed law based 100% on a bill initiative. So legislation just took it into their own hands because they knew Vermont was cool with it (laughs) and voters haven't argued at all to the federal government. It's a very, very liberal state. That's where Ben and Jerry's was created. If you've never been to Burlington, Vermont, I hear lovely things. A lot, a lot of pot smokers there. So I'm sure they're cool with it. There are 39 states out of the 51 recognized in our union (laughs) that have some type of legislation on the book allowing you to cop weed or CBD oil medically or recreationally in that state. 39 at this point, right? Alaska, Cali, Colorado, DC, kind of Maine, Massachusetts, and Michigan, Nevada, Oregon, Washington state, Vermont, they're all full legal. And Wisconsin is listed as illegal, but I've been to Madison, Wisconsin, and people smoke weed on the streets there. It's pretty cool. I just, you know, it's, it's just crazy to me that there are 
I'll say it, retarded laws that still exist on the books federally. The fact that weed is a schedule one drug is retarded. And I'll say that confidently, but don't get mad at me if you have a brother with Down syndrome or something, because I'm not talking about him. He's a cool little dude or older dude. You know, I'm not being insensitive or, you know, dismissive to those person's plights. Retarded is a word. And in the proper context, I'm talking about slowing stuff down. And right now, the industry growth, the ability to create jobs and tax revenue for cities that are struggling and people who are struggling, you know, quite honestly, creatives out here that are trying to find different ways to expand their ability to get into a future hundred billion dollar industry. Once the feds finally lift the restraints on this thing, I just, you know, it's retarded. It's all retarded. I'll say that. I was actually debating with a friend the, uh, I guess you could say, efficacy of using that word at all, you know, whether or not it's appropriate. It's not a corporate term. Definitely, you don't want to be running around saying retard on a regular basis, but in its correct context, it's a medical term. At least I think it was at one point. And it's a funny thing about getting in relationships with people. Sometimes you'll have debating ideas, philosophies on things, and you got to come together or at least have a a shared understanding that, all right, we can agree to disagree on this. It's fine. We can agree to disagree. When it comes to the philosophy of being in a relationship versus not being in one, some people will differ. I think the familiarity of having someone on a daily basis that identifies with you is willing to be with you at at your lowest moment, willing to accept you for who you are you never have to pretend that's a great thing you want to have someone like that right you want to have someone who you know doesn't necessarily have the same perspective as you on things but understands your perspective enough that all right i see where you're coming from and i love you for it you want someone who loves you unconditionally and it's rare in this world unconditional love is something most people only have for their children I, i i don't have unconditional love for anyone you know, my mother, I love my mother unconditionally. There isn't too much she can do you know, that would cause me to have or hold ill will towards her. But in a relationship, you have to come to grips with the fact that, yeah, this person is going to be around. This person is going to be there for the long haul, hopefully. You know, if you guys are actually, you know, meant to be, they're going to, you know, be here to you know, console and hopefully, you know, take care of and nurture and, you know, provide for. And that's a beautiful thing. That's the type of love I want. And that's the type of relationship I want. I don't want these fleeting one day, one week, few month type, you know, happenstance occurrences is as exciting as they are. And, you know, as fun as it is bouncing from person to person, sometimes it's gross. It can create a, a bad habit where you're using sex as an activity just to sort of get a nut out in the moment. And you don't want to just be busting nuts willy-nilly. Those nuts are sacred. At least mine are. The NBA is fast becoming the most global sport in the world. It's interesting. I saw the first Japanese-born lottery pick brought to D.C. today, and it was a monumental moment. And there's a pun intended there because Monumental Entertainment actually owns the Washington Wizards and the arena they play in. Inside the Beltway humor there. Uh, uh, was his name Rui Akimura? Rui Akimura. 
Uri, 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 I come from a science. All right, that's, that's super racist. But he he's Japanese, right? And when I saw him, I thought he was African. He's six nine, and he's a freak athlete. So naturally, I thought he was black. And turns out his dad's African, and his mom is probably a smaller Japanese woman. He was born and raised and brought up in Jap Japan, boy. He's a true straight up Jap, which is I guess that's that's a derogatory term. I guess I can't say that. He's Japanese. And I'm very happy that the game has gotten global to a point that we're going to have a lottery pick represented from every single country, every single continent pretty soon. We already had China, already had Japan. There aren't too many people playing you know, basketball in South America right now because of the popularity of soccer. But that's what I'm saying. I think pretty soon, pretty soon basketball is going to overtake soccer. There's a bunch of Argentinian products that have been dope and dudes from Spain. No one from Brazil yet that I know is like really dominant, but it'll come. Dominican Republic coming soon too. I saw the 30 for 30 on the Dominican Jordan that didn't, you know, pan out, Mr. Felipe Lobo, but there was some cats down there that got the leaping ability that, you know, pretty soon they're not gonna be fucking with baseball like that. They're gonna get to the to the B ball court and realize that's where the real checks are. Even though baseball's just so much money. But they gotta play so many games too. You know. But I mean you can play that game for like forty. Look, if I had to pick any sport, it would definitely be baseball. All right, I know the season's way longer. It, it, it'd be between baseball and international soccer star. Because if you're an international soccer star, you get you know, global fame. But that would get annoying after a while. And doing all those, you know, cologne campaigns and fucking modeling for Versace and shit and having all those weird haircuts. And, you know, soccer's just associated with being a softer sport. So I'd much rather want to play baseball, fly under the radar in America. Because be honest, if Bryce Harper walked in the room, most people wouldn't know who he is. Same thing goes for Mike Trout. He's going to be the richest baseball player in the history of the sport. So these dudes are American superheroes, but they're persona non grata. And I like that. I want to be able to walk into a room and just be 100% unknown, but have a bag in my pocket. So that, that, that's, that's, that, that'd be the sport I pick, probably baseball. It's just the season's super long and, you know, them fly balls fuck around. I mean, a woman died in the stadium last year, I heard. Um or yeah in the baseball stadium last year so that was crazy i didn't know that but you know with the netting and stuff i mean you know baseball's a lot more dangerous than people think maybe give it credit for it's a non-contact sport but that bat make contact with your head or that baseball make contact with your skull coming 100 miles an hour and you're done for please believe i do believe that's all i had to talk about uh i appreciate everyone who tuned in um, this podcast should be available uh, by Thursday morning and, you know, I'm recording it Wednesday, June 26th. It's finished at about 730, uh, started at about 630, had to pause a couple times there for bathroom breaks and drinks and whatnot, but you don't need to know about all that. That's on the behind the scenes outtakes. Um, again, please leave us a five star review on whatever platform it is you're listening to the podcast. Much love and respect to all the people who did so continue to do so. I have um, different platforms are going to be producing content on like youtube and you know obviously instagram has got some stuff on there and you know i got a couple websites that i have my blog on and you know i'm selling clothes and merchandise and different customizable uh, uh fashion items that you can check out at justaskbeach.com so please do that give us a nice review there as well and you know just continue to keep an eye out for your boy <sighs> peace love and chicken grease Everyone be easy. Love y'all. Thank you. Goodbye.
Cut the jackal. Did you fuck a menstrual? Did you think about another way just to get yourself a handful? Did you tell her that you never ever leave her? Long she swallowed all your semen. Pour it off in something that represents my character. I don't give a fuck, had to fuck her up Two sips from another double cup Put my dick across the finish line, guess what? Fucking first, back page in a hearse Hell, where I'm gonna find my word? I don't know, ponder that, heart attack, eight slacks On the brain shit, oh, anything with a beat inside First of all, I know you want a ball If the coke wasn't here, I know you wouldn't call Let me talk my shit, Charmin's involved Ready to these niggas, look I am your father Two clips, two bitches, two rings, two chains Tell me what you wanna do Mo wet, do say Kool-Aid, what's your name? Don't matter, grab a ladder for my dick Play souls, underlay, underlay Mozart in a dark, bitch, please play your part Is it me or is it you? <laughs> Follow me like Twitter I don't fuck around and hit her Treat it just like my zipper In and out like the burgers Roll the window up, nigga You know you make me nervous Give a fuck about another nigga, I get to spraying curtains I done lost it all, tryna get it bad Like my father when my mother left, yeah, yeah Apologize for every lie, circumcised Know your way, flipping no fucking pies Hard to fantasize that you niggas flipping work For you come out the womb Hair potted to these niggas, tryna play Quidditch Oh my god, I need a broom Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. I don't master like Batman, nigga. Who the fuck I'm robbing? All these bands in my pockets. Sitting in these robbers. I done turned up a Valentine's. I ain't even buying shit. All these bricks in my trunk, nigga. Spend it all on my wrist. I done came through just to tell you who. I ain't even trying to argue with you. I don't even argue with my main bitch. I know that says a lot. Know you came here just to run a block. Sorry for the wait. Knife on that chopper, yeah. Lay you where you stay. 54 Jack Boy. Never gave a fuck about where you stay. Running five, five, six bullets, nigga. Right through your mama gate. Penetrate, consolate, concentrate, disarray, dissipate, disappear. I don't give no fucks about another nigga flagging him. Uh, hit a nigga, what the fucking chopper, nigga? Send him to the daughter. Butter on them cheddar biscuits, nigga. Send a red lobster. Wake up every morning with my dick in my hand, nigga. Tryna bust a nut. Thinking about Tiana Taylor, nigga. Get up in them guts. Hey, man, this bitch, yeah, nigga, yeah, with two chains. Give a fuck about another bitch. All she good for, yeah, is get a brain. Insane.